I was driving through the, I woke up and I said, man, I'm going to go to Portola and I'm going to spend some time just sitting in this coffee shop reading and going over the sermon. I try and manuscript it, make sure it's all ready to go. And uh, I got in my car, turned my engine on and I started driving and I realized about three minutes in, I was nowhere near the canyon. I was basically sitting in the church parking lot, uh, which as you may or may not notice, this is not a coffee shop here. Uh, this is not Portola Coffee and Orange. This is Foothills Church where I spend about six days a week. And so what I realized was my muscle memory took over. I kicked in, my habit kicked in where I was trying to drive to a coffee shop, trying to go down the canyon and I ended up here instead. That's because that's what I do. I wake up, I make my eggs and I come here. Maybe you have a similar habit. You guys ever done that kind of thing? Like you're trying to drive somewhere fun and then you end up at your place of work, which this is a fun place, don't get me wrong, but I, I want to go to a coffee shop on a Saturday. And so I, I ended up here. Um, Maybe you wake up every morning, you make coffee every single morning at the same time. Maybe you have a ritual of waking up at this specific time, make your three eggs, throw a couple pieces of sausage or bacon on there, and you make yourself a cup of coffee. Maybe you have another ha uh, habit, like you bite your nails. They're good habits and they're potentially bad habits. How many of you bite your nails? Don't raise your hand. That's gross. But I don't want to know. Yeah. I, I, Hannah really gets on me. I, you see this ring, uh, this wedding band? I spin it all the time. And Hannah hates it when I spin my wedding ring my wedding band. I just have these habits that I do, and I, some of them I probably can control, some of them I probably should stop doing. If you bite your nails, stop biting your nails. If you drink too much coffee, probably a good habit to break a little bit of. But what I started realizing is these habits that run our day are going to be exactly what uh, Amos, I almost said James, we're preaching James on Wednesday nights, what Amos is going to basically accuse the Israelites of doing. They had their rituals. They had their habits. They had those things that they consistently did. They had those things that their muscle memory kicked into. What Amos is going to tell the, the Israelites today, what we need to hear as well, is that when a good habit becomes a dangerous habit, we need to pay attention. When a good habit, a good thing that we do, these good, drinking coffee, I personally think that's a great thing. Drink as, lot, as much coffee as you can. Coming to church at Foothills, great thing. I love doing it, but on Saturday, I want to be elsewhere. These, these things that we do, a good habit becomes a dangerous habit when we forget why we do it. So jump into the text with me, if you will. Here we are in Amos chapter 5. You guys ready? This is going to be fun. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It's darkness and not light. It's as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Bummer. Or went into a house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate. I hate. I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Here's our big idea for today. Good habits become dangerous habits when we miss why we do them. Already, from the video, from the text, I think you guys can already see this. When a good habit becomes, uh, excuse me, a good habit becomes a dangerous habit when we miss the connection as to why we do it. All this stuff we do becomes very dangerous when it's separated 
from experiencing and seeing Jesus. These good habits become dangerous when we miss why we do them. So where's that in the text? Our first point is going to be God's desire for his people was covenant faithfulness. Here it is in the, oops, weren't they faithful to God's covenant though? We will get in the text. But weren't they faithful to God's covenant? We just saw in the text, they're singing songs. They celebrated important feasts and holidays. They celebrated Christmas and Easter and if the really good Christians, Israelites, the really good Israelites came on Good Friday. They probably even celebrated Maundy Thursday and had the, had the cross ash on their forehead. Am I right? Like these people knew what they were doing. They celebrated the important feasts. They were doing the right things. They gathered together in assembly, came to church on Sunday, joined a life group. They were doing the right things. And the text even says this. God doesn't want it, but he's saying, you guys are doing this stuff. You come together in assemblies. They gave offerings, both burnt and grain. <laughs> I, was, I was reading a, a couple different translations, like the NIV, the NASB. You guys know what these are? And I was reading them, and one of them said uh, cereal offerings. And so it was kind of funny, like, you know, you, here's a ram, and then here's some fruity pebbles. And I was like, whoa, that's all right. <laughs> save the fruity pebbles, but you take the ram. But uh, they were, they were, they're sprinkling out the grain offerings to make it a sweeter aroma to God. They were doing the right things. They sang songs. Their hands were up in the air. They had the different poses down. They, they had these things, these rituals down. They had the habits that we have today. They have the habits that they thought satisfied God. But he says, woe to you. It's kind of a kick in the throat. He starts with the people who are desiring the day of the Lord. You guys who are looking forward to deliverance, you're looking forward to the day of the Lord where God is going to come and bring his kingdom, where he is going to establish his justice. Woe to you who are looking forward to this. Why? I think it was just part of their culture. It was, I'm an Israelite. Of course I look forward to this. Of course I'm desiring this. Why would you have the day of the Lord? Another translation is, what good is it to you? Why are you looking forward to this day? Don't you realize it's darkness? Darkness is coming. It's not light. It's darkness. Now, there's a TV show on, <laughs> am I allowed to reference MTV? Mom, sorry. But am I allowed to reference? Okay, he said no, but we're going to do it anyway. There's a TV show called Catfit. Have you guys ever heard this show? can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, it's a, it's a millennial thing, sorry, but there's a TV show called Catfish. <laughs> Some of you young people are like, yeah, I remember Catfish. Uh, yeah, these guys, Neve, <laughs> Neve and Max, um, they would go around, and basically what a catfish is, let me explain it to you. It says, it's a person who sets up a false personal profile on social networking site for fraudulent or deceptive purposes. Really what catfishing was is a, a, a commentary on how jacked up this iGen, Gen Z, millennial culture has become. We, we set up these false profiles just to deceive people. But what this show did was every single time they would find someone who was potentially being catfished, someone who was being tricked, and they would follow them around and figure out who this person was. They'd get in contact with the person on the other end of the computer and say, hey, can we come meet you? We want to see if you are who you said you are or if you're someone else catfishing this particular person. So what they would do is they would go through and it was always like an hour long of them just like going, it was all drama. It was, you have no need ever to watch this thing, but, but it was all drama. And then what happens is every now and then they would get there and it was who the person said they were. They would meet the correct person. But every now and then they would meet someone who was someone completely 
different. And then, of course, it's seven minutes of crying and blah, blah, blah. But, but can you just put yourself in those shoes for a second? I know that's not <laughs> something we want to put ourselves in the shoes of, but, but put yourself in the shoes of that feeling where you've, you're trusting this person. You've had this relationship with someone for seven years on Facebook or on Instagram or just over the phone, whatever. And then you meet them and it's not what you thought it was. In all sorts of different contexts, I'm sure we can kind of step into the same emotion of that, the same feeling of that, where, where you are so excited, man, I get to, get to meet the love of my life today, and whoa, you're, well, it's not even close to what I thought it was. You know, you're talking to a rabbit on the other end, like something weird, like what? But, but the reality is we've, we, we've all been there where we have our hope in something, and then our heart sinks when we find the truth. That's so I can show you that Merriam-Webster is, it's a real word. But woe to you. My confidence is in the day of the Lord. My confidence is what, what God is going to come and, and do and establish, and I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it, but ugh. Woe to you. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It's darkness. It's not light. It's as if a man fled from a lion. I've never been to Africa, but lions are terrifying. And so you finally escape the lion, is what he's saying. And what meets you in the face? Bears I have seen, and they are terrifying. <laughs> I mean, black bear, grizzly bear, whatever. You're escaping the lion, you finally have a breath of fresh air, and then boom, a bear is right there, and oh man, I gotta run. I'm gonna go inside. I'm safe in my house. I'm safe in my house, right? Then you lean on the wall, catch your breath, and a serpent bites you. Amos wants us to see that this, this reckoning day is inevitable. For Israel, it's coming whether you like it or not. Something major has to change in the life of the Israelite. Again, put yourself in their shoes where they're so confident. They have this assurance. They know that they're good to go. And then boom, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you look forward to it? It's not going to be good for you. It's darkness. It's not light. It's as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or, a, or went into his house and he leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bites him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it. I don't imagine Justin Timberlake is going to be singing, I got darkness in my pocket. I got gloom in my feet. It's just not how it works. This is not happy. This isn't a happy thing. This is a very um, downtrodden. Can I say that word? Is that a word? Someone give me a thumbs up or something. Downtrodden. It's a downtrodden term. Thank you, Cindy Gers, for the thumbs up. It's, it's, it's darkness. Why are you looking forward to this day, the day of the Lord? You misunderstood. You put your confidence in these things that you did rather than in God himself. We're going to get to this verse in a second, but earlier in chapter 5, he says, seek me and live, implying that you guys are just doing this stuff. These habits that you've been doing for the last thousand years, hundreds of years, it's just something that you do to do because that's what you do as an Israelite. That's what we do because we're Christian. We do these things. Woe to us when we disconnect from the why. These good habits, these good habits become dangerous habits when we miss why we do them. It's not the day of the Lord darkness and not light. It's gloom with no brightness. God's desire for his people was covenant faithfulness. His desire was that they would just continue to stay faithful to the covenant. What does that covenant faithfulness look like? What does it look like? It looks like finding their satisfaction in him above anything else. Worship me instead of all these other gods. 
the video did a great job pointing out there were those three main gods, but there were a list of gods. Later in chapter five, he calls out two more gods, a star god and another god. And we, we, he's saying, get back to worshiping me. Seek me. Quit looking to all these other gods. Be faithful in the covenant. Find your satisfaction in me, not in the stuff you do, not in the other gods that you're worshiping, not in the other gods that you're sacrificing to. Find your satisfaction in me. I don't want the rituals. The habits have become dangerous habits. Don't miss why you do these habits. These are good habits. Don't get me wrong. These are good habits, but don't miss why you're doing it. God's desire for his people was covenant faithfulness, and God's people missed his deepest desire. And they covered it with a facade. They covered it with a facade of faith. This is what it looks like to be an Israelite, so I'm just going to do that. I'm going to cover my life with this facade of faith. I'm going to have this, this ingenuine ritual, this disconnected ritual. That's where I'm going to find my satisfaction. Again, Amos is calling this out loud and clear. I hate. You guys ever seen that in the Bible before? God hating something? I hate. I despise. Is this not appalling to anyone else? Do you guys feel the, the weight of this? The heat? <laughs> I'm glad it cooled down a little bit. But do you feel the heat that Amos is spitting here? The fire that he's spitting? Come back to God. He's saying, you Israelites have missed the point. I can just imagine when he's calling out in the beginning of chapter one, and the video again did this pretty well, but in the beginning of, the, of chapter one, he starts calling out the seven nations around or the seven communities or cultures around Israel. And I can just imagine they're saying, yeah, give it to them. Yeah, they, I, I knew it was coming for them. I knew it was coming for you know, all these other nations, all these other people. They're not your chosen people. I, give it to them, God. And then they get to Judah, the southern kingdom, and these people are in the northern kingdom. He gets to the southern kingdom. It's like, oh, yeah, they're getting it too. And then it's us too. We're right in the crosshairs. And I love the way he does this because it's so poetic and so incredible, but, but it's, it's this idea that we finally believe we're off the hook. Whoops. We're actually in the middle of the crosshairs. We are, we are the target that he's calling out. Yes, it is for Israel too. Yes, it is for the people who God is showing his love and pouring his love out onto. Yes, it is for us, Foothills Church. It's so easy to say, oh, it's for them. That's for those other churches. That's for those, those other nations in Israel. That's for those other people. If we can read this and not feel like we are in the crosshairs as well, then I think we're missing the point. God say, or Amos says, God says, but Amos is saying, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. Whoops. I just keep thinking, what went wrong, Israel? God carried you through he delivered you from Egypt. He, he delivered you time and time again through masses of water, through deserts, through places that you should not have been able to get through, this good stuff that God just poured out on you, and yet we continually turn our backs. 
I just hear the, the message Rick Ayers brought uh, a couple weeks ago on Isaiah. How did they miss that Jesus was coming? He said, Isaiah 53, we have, this, we have this idea. How did they miss it? They knew what they were looking for. How do we miss him? Just keep looking at this. I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings. Again, that's cereal offering. I think it's funny. But I will not accept them. The peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. When we disconnect our worship from why we're worshiping, from the God who's receiving that worship, when we miss the mark on that, it's noise. He doesn't want it. To the melodies of your harps, I will not listen. It's unsettling. Are you guys unsettled by this? It does not sound fun. Like this, I, I, want, I came to church today to hear a happy, a happy, fun sermon, didn't you? Like an uplifting, like Jesus loves you message. But in Amos, he's calling his people out. And there is a glimmer of hope. There is a glimmer of hope. And we'll get to that. But, but right now, I just want us to sit in this and think, man, these habits, these rituals, these things we do, why do we do them? Again, spoiler alert, we do good things here. Keep, keep joining, being involved here. Keep serving here. Keep going and bringing the gospel to other places. Keep worshiping, keep singing, keep playing your harps. If you have a harp, come talk to me. That'd be so fun to see a harp. But if, if you're doing these things, they're good things. But when there's a disconnect, it's when there's a bad thing. And again, I think it's so easy to say, okay, I'm good. Like, as long as there's no disconnect, let me think for a second. Okay, there's no disconnect. I'm good to go. What motivates us to do these things? Is it getting in your car and it's just your habit to go to church? It's your, just your habit to go to life group? It's just your habit to go here, there, or the other place when you should be going to a coffee shop? Taking a wrong term because your muscle memory kicked in because it's just what you do. It's what you've done your whole life. It's what you have to do to be a good little boy, good little girl, good little Christian. Why do we do these things? Let justice, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God doesn't want the stuff we do. He wants this right relationship. I love how they define it. It's so simple. Righteousness, a right relationship with God. What is covenant faithfulness? It's a right relationship with God. Find your satisfaction in God not in the stuff you do. It's so simply put, but they missed it. The New Testament Christians missed it. The New Testament Jews missed it. Jesus was walking with them and they missed it. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What is holding you back from that right relationship? Being in right relationship. Maybe don't, say, don't hear me saying this is for everyone. Maybe it's those very rituals. Maybe it's those very rituals that we're putting our confidence in. The stuff we do. The checkbox Christianity. You guys have heard me use the term behavior modification before. Maybe it's that behavior modification. I just need to live different and I'll be a good Christian. Correct, but why? Are we changing the way we act because we're supposed to? Are we changing the things we do, we're changing our behavior because we're supposed to, or are we doing it because that's what puts us in right relationship with God? Are we doing it because that 
is the source of greatest intimacy with God. That is the source of greatest satisfaction in God. That is the source of greatest joy in God. Are we doing it because we're supposed to? Because it's a habit, because it's just muscle memory. When I hear this song, my hands go up. I remember I had a buddy who's um, like, <laughs> I think eight month old child. It was, she was a little kid, but um, songs would come on on the radio in the car and her hands would go up. Now, I, maybe she was genuinely worshiping God. It's possible. But at eight months old, I, she had seen what her parents do at church. And then it was like, how great is our God or something. It was old school, but how great is our God comes on and boom, the hands go up. She may have been genuinely worshiping God, but she saw it and it continued to change the way she approaches church. This is what Christians do. When you hear this song, your hands go up. Can't even talk yet, but when my, I hear this song, my hands go up. When someone calls out for an opportunity to serve here, up. Muscle memory kicks in. That's what I do. When there's an opportunity to go on a trip, I do it. When there's an opportunity to join a Bible study, I do it. These are good things. Don't hear me saying these are not good things because these are absolutely good things. But when we miss why, they become dangerous. When we miss why we do them, they become very, very dangerous. So what do we do with this? Reevaluate. We're going to have a couple seconds after, after we're done here. We're going to have a couple seconds for you to spend some time in contemplation. But, but our habits must be fueled by a joy-filled pursuit of justice and righteousness. These people that were doing the right things on a facade, face value level, surface level, they looked like they were doing the right things, but they didn't actually get who God was. They didn't actually get this covenant faithfulness. Our habits, our rituals, the stuff we do, it must, must, must be filled by a joy-filled pursuit of justice and righteousness. It must be fueled by a desire to see more of Jesus, to be more connected, more intimately related to Jesus, more satisfied in the person of Christ. We have Jesus. They didn't have Jesus yet. They were looking forward to the Messiah, the day of the Lord where the Messiah was going to come and bring the kingdom. We have that. We get to look back and see that Jesus came. We get to look forward and see that Jesus is going to deliver. But they, we, we have the benefit of hindsight. Are we loving others? Are we serving others? Are we serving in the church because we want to see more of Jesus and we want to see more of God glorified in this place? Or are we doing it because it's, hey, I'm a Christian. That's what I'm supposed to do. And again, we're right in the crosshairs here. We're not off the hook. I love how in the video they say, this is a message for us because it's so easy to say, oh, that's Old Testament. No big deal. But no, I, God inspired this thing for us to read and for us to get a clearer picture of who he is, what is he calling out the Israelites for? Ooh, let's be careful not to fall into the same traps the Israelites fell into. Don't let your habits and your rituals rule your world. Don't let your habits and your rituals rule your life and the things you do. I was listening to a podcast, and I'm going to get into some muddy water here, but I was listening to a podcast the other day where um, it was a podcast on prayer. And, and really the takeaway, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but they're really cool. They're really fun. If you guys want to listen to podcasts, they're a great way to spend your time. Long drives. I love them. Anyway, that's an aside, but I was listening to a podcast the other day on prayer and the takeaway was, man, we just need to pray more. We need to make sure we have more time. And one of the, one of the snippets that I, I rewound it like five times to make sure I actually heard it right. But he said, man, if I don't like carve out time for prayer, the things I prioritize are going to take that place. 
the implication is it's not a priority, so I have to suck it up and do something about it. I have to make sure that I just have my prayer time and I have to put it in my calendar. I have to put date night on the calendar. Can you imagine if, if I had to put a date night on the calendar or else I would never want to take Hannah on a date? Do you, would there be an issue there? If it's not an overflow of my joy, if it's not an overflow in my, my excitement to spend time with my wife, if it's not an overflow of my excitement to spend time with Jesus, then it's just an empty habit, a ritual that I do, something that I have to just suck it up and do it. A good thing becomes a dangerous thing when we disconnect from the why. Our habits must be fueled by a joy-filled pursuit of Jesus. So what do we do with this? Here's some takeaways. Israel faced God's wrath. Uh, I think that's pretty clear in this passage. Like, wrath is coming, and then they were taken over by the Assyrians. Like, it doesn't look good for the Israelites here. Israel faced God's wrath, but even that, we see a glimpse of hope. What is that? Seek me, verse 4 of chapter 5. Seek me and live. Quit seeking the stuff you do. Quit seeking satisfaction in the right way to live. Again, those are good things, but don't disconnect that. Don't miss the mark on why we do them. Let them be an overflow of your satisfaction in Jesus. Seek me, he says, and live. Number two, Jesus came to reveal the greatest treasure there ever was so that we would enjoy him. I grew up enjoying church a whole lot more than I enjoyed God. Was that a bad thing? I I think it's good to enjoy church. I think that's very important to enjoy church. But I was missing God in the midst of my pursuits of being a good Christian, doing the right things. Loving church, going to church six nights a week. That's what I love doing, but I missed Jesus in the midst of it. I wasn't enjoying God. I was enjoying acting and looking like a Christian, just like these Israelites. I wasn't finding my satisfaction, my value, and my worth in making sure I was at every church service that there was, Monday through Friday, Sunday twice, Sunday night, Saturday afternoon. Anytime there was an opportunity, I'd go. In the midst of it, I missed Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the greatest treasure there ever was so that we could enjoy him not the stuff we do for him. He doesn't want our more empty habits and rituals. Again, you guys saw that in the text? I don't want it. Quit playing your harp. Quit singing those, those melodies. Quit joining this somber assembly. It's not the point. Enjoy God more. He doesn't want more empty habits and rituals. He wants right relationship. He wants righteousness and justice. The stuff that flows out of right relationship with him. Number four, may we never, never, never allow disconnect between our worship and the way we love God and love others. So often there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect for them. In your life, there's probably a disconnect somewhere. So it's it's really easy. It's really easy to say, no, that's for them. Man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. Man, I'm going to send this to, I'm going to tell them to read this passage, and then they're going to understand that they're just doing it wrong. No, I think we're in the crosshairs. This is a message for us to never allow disconnect between your worship and the way you love God and others. Covenant faithfulness. The Torah, the first five books, we call it the law. I think instruction is helpful. The instruction He instructed them on how to live. He said, this is the way to do it. This is the way to righteousness. This is the way to covenant faithfulness. This is the way to have satisfaction in God. And they turned their backs. What did Jesus give us? Love God. Love others. It's easy. It's easy to just try and suck it up and love someone. But it's that 
Is that genuine love if you're forced to do it in order to be a good person? Find satisfaction in Jesus. Let it overflow. Let it overflow into the people around you. Let it overflow into your neighbors. Let it overflow into the people who you are immediately connected to. Your family, your work friends, your team, whoever you spend your time with, let it overflow into them. Start there. Find satisfaction in God. Enjoy God. Let that joy flow over into other people. Never, never allow a disconnect in the worship that you give God and the way you love God. It's so easy to read this book and just skim over it and say, man, well, that's a bummer. Let me move on. (laughs) I mean, that is a bummer. But it's so easy to just say, man, that's a bummer. Silly Israelites. Glad I'm not them. I love that language of crosshairs. We are in the crosshairs as well. Jesus came to give us the greatest treasure, to reveal the greatest treasure to us. We so often get so busy serving the treasure rather than enjoying the treasure, and there's a disconnect. We miss why we do these things, and it becomes very dangerous. Friends, don't miss the face of God in the midst of a faithless facade. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come and enjoy you, come and worship you, come and see you more clearly. Thank you for being a God who gives grace, a God who sent a son to take that wrath. Thank you for being the God who gives us these reminders. God, I pray that you continue to show us what it looks like to trust you and enjoy you more rather than the things we do. God, let, let our love for you motivate those actions rather than find satisfaction in the actions. God, thank you again for being so good to us. I pray this all for your glory and for our joy. Amen.